Back in June of 2019, gosh, three years seems a lifetime ago now. Three years ago, I attended a meeting in Kansas City along with 600 other United Methodist leaders to address the fomenting schism in our denomination around matters of LGBTQIA inclusion. We had no official authority, just a shared deep longing for embracing the full ramifications of loving God and neighbor. We agreed that as passionate followers of Jesus Christ, we would resist evil, injustice, and oppression in all forms and toward all people and build a church which affirms the full participation of all ages, nations, races, classes, cultures, gender identities, sexual orientations, and abilities, affirming the sacred worth of LGBTQ persons, celebrating their gifts, and committing to being in ministry together. Now, like I said, this had no formal authority, but it felt very good and hopeful to be in that large company affirming our faith in our God of indiscriminate love. The pandemic quickly put the kibosh on moving that agenda forward institutionally, adding an overwhelming level of human suffering and grief. We're still absorbing economic destabilization, cultural corrosion and disorganization. It's impossible, isn't it, to capture all that has transpired in these last three years including the violent eruptions of white supremacy publicly displayed in George Floyd's murder and more recently in Buffalo's mass shooting by a gunman captured by so-called white replacement theory. Add to that the accumulating mass murders like the incomprehensible Uvalde Children's Massacre. Man, man, it is a lot to hold. And all this while still trying to emerge from COVID and in my case, responding to the bewildering impact on church life as Americans continue their retreat from religious institutional engagement. There's an overfull plate of difficult stuff to digest. But here's a counterintuitive thing I want to report today. Starting at least three years ago, as a personal marker, about that time in Kansas City, let's say, I have never been clearer about my faith and work. I have never been clearer about the mission of the church and its importance, about the radical implications for loving God above all things and our neighbors as ourselves, about my particular gifts and skill sets as they've evolved over my 35 years at Christ Church, and about faith's redemptive power Despite my tenure here coming to conclusion, the church's tenure embodying God's love for all people has surely been renewed. Yes, the church in its many forms in the United States is facing a cultural tsunami. You've heard and read the statistics of decline of interest in organized religion, battles for denominational identity like we're experiencing in the United Methodist Church exacerbate the problem. And post-pandemic, we're reeling from evolved behavior patterns concerning corporate worship, physical engagement, and a general reordering of how life will be organized. Still, given all that I've described, 
I have never felt clearer about the essential necessity of following after the way Jesus blazed and the gospel of grace, truth, and love. The message we bear matches the need of our current moment exactly. Now, life is peculiar in this way. Often when we hit a roadblock or obstacle or stumble into a difficult set of circumstances, we have to make a path without clear sight. And in the making, we are reshaped by the hardship and then through it, emerge renewed, empowered, more competent and capable. As the old cliche has it, no pain, no gain, the engine of resilience. In here, we affirm what we heard Paul write to his friends in Rome. Since we are justified by faith, we boast in our sufferings, knowing that suffering produces endurance, and endurance produces character, and character produces hope. And hope does not disappoint us because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit that has been given to us. I believe that. Paul has this right. I feel it in my bones. As many of you have discovered firsthand, this has personal meaning in the cancer ward or police station, in the aftermath of an employment fiasco or divorce or death or financial setback, and it has great meaning for those suffering injustice and for all of us as we seek to love in the manner of Jesus against what seem insurmountable odds. Faith in our God of grace, who knew suffering himself firsthand, is also faith in the God of resurrection hope, and that hope reveals that nothing in life or in death can separate us from God's great love for us. Nothing, nothing, nothing. We are God's, always have been, always will be, and this truth dignifies our lives no matter our age or condition. Where else do we hear this deep truth? Where else? When describing her faith, poet and civil rights activist Maya Angelou said, I believed that there was a God because I was told by my grandmother there was a God and then later by other adults. But I found that I knew not only that there was God, but that I was a child of God. When I understood that, when I comprehended that, more than that, when I internalized that, ingested that, I became courageous. She ingested the truth the Apostle Paul wrote about. That sort of faith seeps way down into our cellular membranes where a kind of awesome alchemy occurs, transforming frail flesh with resilient courage no matter what comes at us. That's why Paul says we can actually boast in our sufferings. Now, in Maya Angelou's case, much of what she expressed had been steeped in the struggle for America's soul as a result of its original sin racist slavery, a struggle we clearly have not yet finished with. 
One of her highly prized poems, I Still Rise, was read at Nelson Mandela's inauguration as president of South Africa. Remember that he was elected after serving 26 years in prison during apartheid. Somehow, during those years, his suffering produced endurance, and endurance produced character, and character produced hope that in turn produced a courageous capacity for forgiveness, reconciliation, and a gracious magnanimity. In the Hebrew scriptures, wisdom presents with a feminine voice another powerful image of God we do well to reclaim and celebrate. Listen as Juliana Rowe speaks God's wisdom in the voice of Maya Angelou exclaiming, I still rise. You may write me down in history with your bitter, twisted lies. You may trod me in the very dirt, but still, like dust, I rise. Does my sassiness upset you? Why are you beset with gloom? Cause I walk like I've got oil wells pumping in my living room? Just like moons and like suns with a certainty of tides, just like hope springing high, still I rise. Do you want to see me broken? Bowed head and lowered eyes, shoulders falling down like teardrops, weakened by my soulful cries? Does my haughtiness offend you? Don't you take it awful hard, cause I laugh like I've got gold mines digging in my own backyard? You may shoot me with your words. You may cut me with your eyes. You may kill me with your hatefulness, but still, like air, I'll rise. Does my sexiness upset you? Does it come as a surprise that I dance like I've got diamonds at the meeting of my thighs? Out of the huts of history's shame, I rise. Up from a past that's rooted in pain, I rise. I am a black ocean, leaping and wide, welling and swelling. I bear in the tide, living behind nights of terror and fear. I rise into a daybreak that's wondrously clear. I rise, bringing the gifts that my ancestors gave. I am the dream and the hope of the slave. I rise, I rise, I rise. In this powerful summation of suffering producing endurance, 
endurance producing character and character producing hope that has been poured into her heart through God's spirit. Perhaps we can make sense of our own life situations, bringing us to this very moment, infusing us with courage and commitment as we follow Jesus' lead, learning to love very well in our very distressed land, growing in personal and corporate courage while rediscovering the astonishing importance of what it means to be church today. Friends, resurrection faith calls us into a future imbued with hope as together we say, we rise, we rise, we rise.